Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the G Perspective. I am your host, George Michael Perez, aka G Mike. You guys already know what it is. First of all, let me start by saying thank you for all the average listeners and viewers that I get on the show. Appreciate your support. I hope you guys keep coming back. I want to give you this content that I'm really excited about. Keep moving forward. I know I only got 18 episodes right now, but I want to keep it rolling. Try to hit 25 one day, 50, 75, 100 and and beyond. So hopefully you guys keep listening and I really appreciate y'all. So I'm going to change up the episodes a little bit. The intro is going to be a little different. What I'm going to start doing from now on is do a little intro just by myself, not have the guest on while I'm doing it and just introduce who I'm going to have on and what topics we're going to be talking about. So today with the brand new way of doing things, we're going to have on Austin Dillingham. He is a Um, Full Steel University student just like me in the same program trying to be a sportscaster and inspiring sportscaster in in the field He's gonna do great things. He has Tons of knowledge when it comes to the NFL and his particular team the Baltimore Ravens. So Without further ado, we're gonna be talking about the Eastern and Western Conference Finals game one and tonight is game two again um, Dallas Mavericks against the Golden State Warriors and then tomorrow is uh, the Miami Heat going to the Boston Celtics arena they're gonna face them in the game two game and then we're gonna be um, going into a little on the Baltimore Ravens and their offseason moves because he's really excited and he, he wanted to go on a little rant about them so hopefully you guys keep watching and thank you again the G perspective I'm doing well sir thanks for having me on yeah, no, no. Thank you, man. It's it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you on. Real quick, before we get in the knit and gritty, let me introduce you to the fans. It's my boy, Austin Dillingham. And if I say that wrong, please correct me. All right? And I do not, not get offended on that. And you're from, you're from Maryland, right? right? No, from uh, Richmond, Virginia, my friend. I claim the whole right. DMV area. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I like to root for uh, my birds. My uh, my pops grew up a Baltimore Colts fan, so took over the reins from him. Uh, and, uh, you know, we here, members of the flock, loud and proud, baby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys are doing pretty good the past few seasons, and you made some we under the radar. Some, some strategic off-season moves mm-hmm. that we'll get into yes, later. Sir. Yes, sir. You know? But... Yes, sir. Right now, I'm I'm on edge, man. I'm on edge after last night's game between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics game two. And dude, like stand up. Yesterday, I just wanted to punch a hole in the wall, man. After the first quarter, I was just like, "Yo." Well, listen, I, I think I think there's a lot to unpack there with with this series so far. And I mean, really, like that's been the you know tone of the NBA playoffs in in general just been back and forth like one team you know got it one game next game they don't I mean you know the best example is the Phoenix Suns best team in the entire association they don't show up for game seven at home how does that that make sense sometimes you just don't have it and sometimes the other team I mean they are full you know every single team full of NBA players really good basketball players so if you you know let them get hot early let them develop that rhythm you might get buried and that's uh, that's what happens. I mean, I don't believe that uh, that 
Marcus Smart, even though his his presence, you know, was much needed in game one. I don't believe he's going to turn into Rajon Rondo every single playoff game for the remainder of this series. But I think uh, I think this one is about as even as we got. I thought the Golden State and Memphis series was uh, pretty even, even Steven until John Morant uh, got injured. But I think this one might be uh, the series of the playoffs once we, you know, get, uh, you know, look back on it after the whole thing is said and done. Yeah, no, and going back to what you said uh, a little bit ago on how, like, how the playoffs have been shaping out each team and every single series, they take one game, then the next team comes back and take another game. As an NBA fan, we have to be super appreciative of that because it's it's not like how the NBA was five, ten years ago. On you, ha- if you mm-hmm. have two superstar players that they're gonna get you to the Holy Grail, and they're gonna come and and get you this mon- wonderful masterpiece at the, at the end of the season and stuff. No, now it's more like every single team has great players because the NBA is involving our generation. Players are more skilled, faster. They could jump higher. It's just it's just the evolution of basketball right now. So it's more of a team sport now than it has been before. Cause like like I said, like back in the nineties, Michael Jordan and Pippen, no one's stopping that. In the early two thousands, Shaq and Kobe. Then you got um, LeBron and D Wade when he when LeBron came to Miami. It's like they're just taking mm-hmm. over the game. Now it's yeah. more like every team has a full team off the bench and the starters. And we got to be super appreciative of that. I mean, it's the same deal in, in the NFL currently. I mean, you look back to the nineties and you know, that was the heyday of the Cowboys. Um, You got the Patriots run throughout all of it. There's so much parody now in these leagues, especially, you know, the NFL and the, and the NBA, because they're one and two, as far as the biggest leagues in America. And I think it's great for the league to, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been a LeBron fan since he came in in 03. I remember buying his shoes. I remember buying his jersey, you know, right when he came out. And I've been a fan of his throughout those games uh, that he had against the, you know, Celtics, whether he was, you know, on his first or second stint with the Cavs or whether it was in Miami. I mean, were some of the most memorable games that I've watched as a fan, along with the series, you know, with Kyrie hitting that shot at the end. They went in six and Golden State. Uh, I mean, it got a little, you know, out of hand once KD goes, you know, and joins up, uh, you know, the 73 win Warriors. I mean, LeBron can only nice. do so much when it's four on one. Uh, but still, he got his team to the finals year in and year out. What was it like nine? Uh, was it 11 consecutive years that Brown made it? Something like that. Something it, crazy, wasn't, like nine it, wasn't, it wasn't consecutive, but he's been to the finals uh, yeah. 10, 10 or 11 times. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. I mean, with with Braun out, you know, it's given these new guys a chance to step up and, you know, take the, you know, take the reins, you know, climb onto that mantle. Uh, You got Luca, you know, absolutely spazzing against the the Suns. I mean, he had his, uh, you know, his uh, his struggles in the second half of game one. Uh, but I think he'll bounce back uh, tonight in game two for sure. I mean, he's one of the top three players in the league, in my opinion. Uh, but, you, you know, Booker came up short in that game seven, but he had a hell of a run there. John Morant till he got injured. Um, I mean, you got, you know, Clay and, you know, Steph doing their up to their usual tricks with Jordan Poole now in the mix. Uh, but there's a lot of lot of young talent, a whole lot of parity uh, in the NBA. And I think it's nothing but, you know, good news for for the league. Um, yeah. I miss, like I said, miss having Brown in there, but. 
I think the league is for sure in good hands, like uh, most people believe. No, yeah, facts. I agree. I, I agree with you on that. But let's just, just let's let's dissect the game last night, man, because mm-hmm. I, I got a little I got a little pissed off with one of my favorite players in the league right now, Bam Adebayo. Ooh, Bro, I wanted to talk to you about him. Bam, bam, bam. I know um, I'm I'm no analyst or reporter on ESPN, but if you happen to come across this podcast, just want to say, you know, you my dog, you, you know, got a lot of love for you, you know. And okay. and for 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 my boys that know it, and for my family members that know it, um, if I got love for you, I'm gonna tell you how it is. I'm gonna tell you the truth. And bam, you play like shit on the offensive end. How how is it that you're our second best player, and you only take six shots and only made six points? If you if you would have taken. 15 shots and only made six points, I wouldn't even be as mad. I would have been like, okay, he tried. He went up there. He was aggressive. He went up to the rim. He tried to put it on Robert Williams' uh, stovetop. But no, you only had six field goal attempts, bro. What is that? He, <laughs> as, I hope he beats the, the glorified screen setter allegations, my friend. Bro, man, it's Truly. just – it's ridiculous, <laughs> man. Like – on the last four games, each game, he's taken under 10 field goal attempts, bro. You cannot be our second best player and be doing that, man. No doubt. I, I, I saw the stat uh, flash across the screen last night during the game that during the regular season, averaging 19 and 10. During the playoffs, averaging 14 and 7. That's 14 Dude. points, 7 rebounds. That's, that's uh, Kevon Looney numbers, my friend. It's uh, it's it's ugly business. What's going on right now? I mean, Jimmy is being Jimmy, of course. And playoff Jimmy is a different beast. He's got the ball a lot more, in my opinion. I don't think the offense of the Heat has been as free flowing as it was, say, in round one against the Hawks. I mean, I agree. you got the nineteen million dollar man, Duncan Robinson, living my dream of you know making nineteen mil and just sitting on your ass in Miami, you know. What's he doing? I mean, what you know, I, I just I think they definitely need Kyle Lowry back. I think Lowry is going to allow this offense to flow a lot more. You need that steady veteran point guard in the playoffs in order to get you over the hump, in my opinion. I mean, you know, go back to however many, you know, championship teams you want to look at. They always had solid point guard, you know, solid ball distribution. But I think right now that's what Miami is lacking. Love me some Struess. Love me some Gabe Vincent, undrafted, you know, stars, you know, doing doing their thing. You know, they're they're sharpshooters, they're great shooters, but they don't have the playmaking prowess of a Kyle Lowry to maybe facilitate uh to Bam in that pick and roll offense like you saw during the regular season. No, yeah, and and the championship DNA that Kyle Lowry has. I mean, he only has mm-hmm. one chip, but that's more mm-hmm. than a lot of players in the league right now. Yep. More than Chris Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I can't bash my man Chris Paul. We, we can get to that okay. Suns yeah. pack on another day, my friend. <laughs> they've, been, they've been lit up far enough, far like, too much for me. <laughs> oh man, no, but yeah, Larry, he needs to come back next game. We need him for the yeah. first game in Boston because Game Three is what really decides the series, in my opinion. Whoever wins mm-hmm. Game Three is most likely to take the series. We need him mm-hmm. back a hundred percent. I love Gabe Vincent, like you said, but he he he's a defensive 
masterpiece on the court as a point guard like before when he mm-hmm. came into the league he wasn't like that so when he got to miami it, it completely changed his game but larry yeah. he dissects and he displays uh a different type of game for the miami he he he's the actual playmaker on the court you see out there is jimmy right now doing everything playing defense setting up plays making points grabbing rebounds getting steals like the man can only do so much bro like you need yes. he needs bam and hero to step up mm-hmm. six man of the year to step up hero only had 11 points this game that's fine. Yeah. He he shot five for eleven. So I like, you know, I like the fact that he's taking the shots. But mm-hmm. come on, man, you you need to be out there being aggressive. This game after the first quarter, there was no aggression in the Miami Heat against the Boston Celtics. The Celtics looked like they were at home, and the Heat were on the road. That's what it looked like yeah. last night. Yes, uh, I mean the the cushion that they were giving Jalen Brown all night allowed him to you know build, develop a rhythm from three. I uh, got, and, and once that happens, once Jalen Brown is on, Tatum is, you know, the, the runway is clear for him. Yeah. So, and if you got Marcus Smart dropping 20 and nine and, you know, 12 assists, uh, I mean, it's a wrap. I mean, ain't much you can do beyond that. The, you know, the, the, the minutes need to be more, you know, evenly distributed amongst the guards. Uh, you know, Hero is as streaky as they come. He's still a young cat. I mean, he won six man of the year, so nothing, you know, ain't no slouch. Um, but, you know, he is a he is a streaky shooter. Sometimes he'll have those, you know, four for, you know, 13 games from three. And that, I mean, that's kind of what, you know, Max Struess and Gabe Vince are starting to do. It just needs to be more like evenly distributed. And, you know, once I think, you know, Lowry gets back and, you know, brings that calm. And pre- the, the loss of P.J. Tucker last night was a big deal as well. I yeah. mean, you know. Tucker may get you, you know, only, you know, five and, you know, five and five per game, but he's out there to offset the defensive load of guarding the best player when, you know, Jimmy's got to take a break because I mean, go back, you know, through, through NBA history, how many times is that best player not who, you know, is leading their team in scoring night in and night out also guarding that other team's best player night in and night out. Yes. They may, you know, take some trips on him, but you know, even Kawhi, had Pascal Siakam switch up with him a little bit, you know, on that Toronto team. Um, it, it's rare that you see that two-way player, you know, keep that same level throughout the entire postseason because if you make it all the way to the chip, it is pretty much like an additional season. You're going to wear out after a while. I mean, you know, that's the one knock on my goat LeBron James, that he don't get back on the defensive end. But, hey, he's going to be the all-time leading scorer in the NBA for a reason. That's because it's chestnut checkers. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no. Piggyback on what you're saying, though. Like, imagine, imagine if the best player in the team on the offensive end is doing what he does, doing his thing, scoring, giving you 30 a game, 35 a game, and then you expect him to go back and guard their best player every single play. Imagine how tired you're gonna be after just one game, playing seven mm-hmm. games, going to game seven, uh, like two or three series in a row, and you're gonna, you're gonna tell me that you want your best player guarding their best player? on the defensive end no no you don't want that because then there's gonna be no effort later on if you go to the finals or you go to the conference finals like no you gotta be realistic like how you said you gotta get another player to guard their best player now just giving credit to the boston celtics because yo they went off jason tatum 27 
Jalen Brown, 24, Marcus Smart, 24, Grant Williams, 19, and then Peyton Pritchard, the little white boy running around everywhere just shooting threes from God knows where, got 10 points. Like, yo, they were on the tear last night. Like I said, it, it was like that. It was like Boston was at home and Miami was on the road. Yeah, no, I mean, Grant Williams has been on another level. P.J. Tucker Jr., I mean, pretty much. Uh, but, you know, he's shooting up. I mean, what, he, uh, he only had two threes last night, but he had the, the seven for 18 game and uh, game seven, which was wild. I yeah. mean, Milwaukee just let him, you know, shoot every single, you know, spot up three that he wanted to. And after that three was taken, they said, do it again. Keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. And they went down with that ship. Uh, but. I mean, you got you got evenly distributed scoring for the most part amongst your stars. I mean, you got three guys with 20 points, Grant Williams off the bench with 19, and Pritchard, I mean, God bless him. He's, you know, giving it his all out there, two for six, four for 11 from three in the last game. So he's chucking them, but that was without Mark Smart. Yeah. Uh, Bob Williams, looking at this, only 20 minutes in, uh, you know, in the in game two. Coming off of a very well played game one, which was surprising to me because you know he had he had his offensive game going in the first quarter. I don't think he did much after that. I think he might have finished with what like fourteen points or something like that. Um, but only playing twenty. I mean, Al Horford definitely offsets you know some of those minutes for him. Um, but I think that you know uh, a dose of Robert Williams and Al Horford, uh, you know, splitting that time 50-50 is a good recipe for uh, stopping out of bio because you got two, you know, two different defenders. You got one with the crazy athleticism and, you know, the other one with the veteran savvy. Um, I think that that's, a, you know, it's been a good recipe so far to, you know, neutralize and bam. So I'll give credit where credit is due, you know, holding him to those types of numbers, but bam's got to be more aggressive. He's got, I mean, he's, he's been do, like, I haven't really been watching him on the defensive end. I, I mean, I, I feel like he's been, you know, holding it down for the most part, for, you know, throughout these playoffs. Um, but I mean, he's known as a, you know, huge defensive stopper as well, but I'm, you know, I'm seeing Jason Tatum and, you know, a lot of guys get into the, get into the rim at will. I saw Tatum thread a pass right through uh, Struess and, you know, bam to a cutting Grant Williams and look like it was, you know, Braun feeding, uh, you know, J.R. Smith on the baseline. Like it was, you know, absolute you know threading the needle right there so i just think i think it just needs to be stepped up all across the board i mean jimmy's bringing that energy so you know why can't they no yeah they need to follow off him and especially going into boston on uh, this saturday game three you know it's gonna be tough and especially if boston carries that momentum of what they <laughs> displayed last night oh man miami's gonna be in a rude awakening if they don't wake up and bring that energy because mm-hmm. man boston boston has their sights on winning a chip this year so why all these I'll, games start at 8 30 man we don't even got a you know saturday matinee going like all these games are late past my bedtime yeah man easter standard Ain't time it? baby this is time to party 8 30 that's when you start drinking in, that's when you start I drinking in miami <laughs> i get it in miami but in boston oh man they're gonna be mad they're going to be mad if uh, Miami, you know, steals one from them and they stayed up for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, no. You, you know what that reminds me of, bro? That pisses me off. I hate the national media attention that Miami gets. First of all, they don't get enough. And then second, <laughs> when people say, oh, the crowd doesn't show up. Oh, the crowd's not there. This and that. First of all, this is our last night was our 500th consecutive game of a sold out arena. 
right? Let me tell you about the people in Miami, all right? Mm-hmm. One, most of us in Miami are Hispanic, right? And mm-hmm. Hispanics, if you say, yo, show up at 7 o'clock, most of them are showing up at 7.30, 8 o'clock. I'm telling you right now. That's how Who it is. Who among us, you know? Who among <laughs> us? And then on top of that, the traffic. The traffic to get there, people in Miami are probably the worst drivers in all the United States. I, 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 I'll attend to that. a close second. Orlando's okay. Yeah. Second, no. No. It's sure. like right there. Uh-huh. It's like it's like one A one B. Like one dove to the finish line, and the other was just uh-huh. trying to run. Right. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? Right. And then right. and then when it comes to halftime, going into the third quarter, people are out there getting their drinks. People are going to the the Bacardi Club that's outside of my of that heat arena. If you guys do not know this, on the little outside, people go there try to get their drinks too. They get their food and stuff, and then they go back to their I seats. See that. Yes. They got a whole club yes. underneath the underneath the bleachers. Like yes, yes. on that floor level. That's what well, they do. It, it, no, it's not it's not underneath the bleachers. That they just made it look like that because of the okay. edit and you, stuff. You've seen but, that TikTok though. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw editing. that TikTok. The editing made it look the like editing. they walk right through the no, tunnel. No, no, no. It's not there. Like it's go not through there. these curtains. No. And then, no. you know, you got you got uh <laughs> what is that? Uh what's that one in uh Miami? Uh the one that you know future uh gonna, you know, free my live, man's by the way. Yeah, live that one. Uh-huh. That's the one. Uh huh. Yeah, no, like no, no. right there. It's not. It's not under the bleachers. It's, it's not like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's on the right, house. Right, right. Is it's in it's in the vicinity of the arena, but it's in the outskirts, right? But oh, that's crazy. Stuff. That yeah, yeah, yeah. The national Different. media touching of saying that the Heat fan does not show up. No, that's wrong. That's completely wrong. That's incorrect. Mm-hmm. If you go to a Heat game, you will see what I'm talking about, and you'll know what I'm talking about if you live in Miami. Mm-hmm. I just had to go oh, on yeah. a little rant right there because I don't appreciate the fact that other fans are saying that the Heat fans don't show up. <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. I mean, those those runs that I remember with, uh, you know, Bron and Wade, I mean, those were some of the most amped up crowds. Uh, you know, that, that one game where Ray Allen hits the three over uh, over Ginobili to, uh, you know, force that game seven. I mean, that was one of the most mem- memorable games that I've watched. Um, uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I remember that crowd was crazy. I mean, you got uh, that iconic image of, you know, Wade in the L Heat jersey, you know, standing on top of the scoreboard saying, you know, I'll run this. This is mine. You know what I mean? Just like, yeah, a very iconic fan base. I got no qualms with the Miami faithful. I know you. Hey, listen, I experienced y'all in full force. And, and, you know, on Thursday Night Football when I went down there, first time I ever went to Miami for that uh, abysmal showing by my Ravens against uh, against Miami Dolphins. Uh, But, you know, which was uh, last season. Yeah, it was last season. Yeah, I remember that. game. Um, That was really that was really the start of uh, the Ravens ultimate demise. Um, Mm -hmm. It was, you know, just a bad season overall. Uh, You know, we had the injuries to start out. And then that game, I, I mean, Sammy Watkins. Good riddance to that man, but he had uh wide open, wide open, you know, yep, touchdown. Yep. He was Hollywood Brown esque, you know, versus Detroit, and uh, you know that would have that would have put us on top early, but it was too little, too late. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the Miami fans, you know, they were coming. They were just like, oh yeah, man, you know, we love Lamar. Like I saw me with the jersey, they're just like, yeah, we love Lamar. Like good luck to you guys. And then it, you know, being all you know friendly and uh, you know welcoming and whatnot when I was going in, but when I was leaving. It's not like that. They talk smack, boy. We talk smack. Uh-huh. I was like, where, where were y'all? Like, what? Like, <laughs> where oh, were y'all man. before this? But yeah, yeah, no, it was different. It was different. Much respect. Much respect to the Miami Faith. Yeah, I got called out for that game because I predicted that the Ravens were going to win like 33 <laughs> 0 because of the year Bro, before you that. Be- 
you wasn't the only Miami fan. Like they were, they like a couple guys said, yeah, keep it within 30, please. Like, uh, and you know, they had me riding high, just gaslighting my ass all the way through, you know, the gates. Yeah. Cause the season before Miami and Baltimore played week one and Lamar yep. Jackson lit that ass up. Like it was like yep. six TDs thrown Five and one rushing. Yeah. It was something crazy like that. It was like yeah, 77 to zero or 77, seven and some crazy number. I, it had to have been like the second or third play. And that was Hollywood's rookie year that he hit him for like 70 yards. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. That eventually led to the 13 and three season. Um, but yeah, I, I, get, I thought it was going to be more of the same, but credit to uh, credit to B-Flow's defense. I mean, they showed up and the Ravens did not. I think they might have had, you know, one too many on uh, on South Beach, you know, that afternoon before. But, you know, Thursday night's always a uh, always, a, you know, uh, you know, 50-50 shot, in my opinion, whether your team shows up or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we keep getting into the the whole um, meets of Baltimore Ravens, let's 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 mm-hmm. close out these conference series right now. So the Golden State Warriors yes, are hosting the Dallas Mavericks, and in Game mm-hmm. One, the Warriors went off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. No. Yeah. Honestly, as they, did, I, as they do, as they do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. No, but they played an amazing game. They had seven players in double figures. They had Andrew Wiggins with nineteen, showing that he's in. All star, <laughs> I still don't think he's an all star, but whatever. Draymond Green with 10, Kayvon Looning with 10, Clay Thompson with 15. He started heating up in the second half, and in the first half, he wasn't really doing much. Stephen Curry, boy, Looney Elijah on, bro. Yeah, hey, he he's putting in work for that team, man. They really need him down the stretch 100%. Mm-hmm. Stephen Curry, 21, Jordan Poole, 19, and Otto Porter with 10. Man, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, I do not see Dallas winning a game at Golden State. I feel like Golden State's role players are too comfortable. I don't know if you saw the TikTok I put the, uh, yesterday, but I think they're too comfortable mm-hmm. at home to lose against a Dallas Mavericks team that really only depend on Luka Doncic to score 50 points if they want to be in, in the game. So, like, if he's only scoring 30, they probably lose by, like, 10 or 15, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you got Reggie Bullock uh, taking the same amount of uh, threes and shooting for the same percentage as uh, Luca, you're in some hot water, I would say. But no, I completely agree with you. Uh, the Warriors are being the Warriors. They are uh, just, you know, looking to, you know, looking to, they're looking like they're developing more and more of a rhythm as they go. I mean, Clay has had his, uh, you know, bumps along the way, certainly Steph as well. I mean, Steph, you know, missed uh, what, how many free throws? In that game, uh, you know, two nights ago, he was, let's see, I mean, he was four for seven. I mean, that is not a Steph Curry-like performance, three for nine from three, uh, you know, shooting 43%. I mean, Clay, you know, picked up the slack a little bit, had, uh, you know, had a solid 15, Andrew Wiggins as well. Andrew Wiggins is definitely the wild card uh, to watch throughout the, you know, remainder of these playoffs because, you know, yeah, Golden facts. State has always been like the lethal three-man punch but you've got uh, every bit of a of a four-man you know death lineup that that can you know fill it up throughout I mean a member of that you know death lineup when KD was there was Draymond and a very old Andre Iguodala and you know those guys don't have really the capability to put up 20 plus night in and night out like an Andrew Wiggins I mean he's a freaking former number one overall pick 
I mean, he's, he's got, you know, athleticism that allows him to jump out of the gym. And mm-hmm. with his ability on the defensive end, I mean, if he keeps it up, you know, it's a big, big, you know, ask to keep it up on Luca, one of the top players in the league. But when Wiggins doesn't have it, you can throw in, you know, like I said, with, uh, you know, the Bob Williams and Al Horford dynamic on Adebayo. You got Draymond then to, you know, throw another look at him. You know, he's got the, he doesn't have the, maybe the, you know, lateral quickness to keep up with Luca when he's driving to the lane, but he definitely has, you know, the veteran savvy to know like where his next move is and try to cut him off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you throw on, you know, throw in clay there as well to offset some of that defensive load. I mean, clay certainly isn't what he was during that, uh, you know, 2014 to 2017 title run that they had, uh, you know, on the defensive side, but clay is still a very serviceable defender and one of the better ones that they have on that squad. Um, on the Dallas side, I mean, their role players throughout this, you know, playoffs with the exception of game seven in Phoenix, uh, you know, their role players are completely different on the road. I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith, Reggie Bullock, Maxi Cleaver, you got, I mean, Dimwitty and Jalen Brunson have been very consistent throughout. I think that uh, trade for going uh, for Zengas for, uh, for Dinwiddie was definitely something that set, uh, set Dallas over, over the hump and got them to this point, but they don't have that number two guy. And, and I feel like Luca does, whether it's a big or another, you, you know, like a point guard, I, I'm, I'm going to say like a, like a Steph Curry. I mean, he's the greatest shooter of all time, but a guy that can, a guy that can run a guy that can, you know, come off screens and that Luca can facilitate to and consistently hit an open jump shot. I mean, if you put Jordan Poole on this Dallas team, I believe we have a very, you know, even series and maybe Dallas turns out to be the better team overall, but they don't have that one guy that consistently that can consistently come off of ball screens and hit those corner, you know, and perimeter uh, jump shots to assist Luca and offset some of that, you know, offensive burden that he has night in night out. Yeah, no, and today he's gonna he tonight he's gonna have to stop giving up the ball as much as he did in game one because I felt like he was trying to include his players and trying to get them involved and stuff. But tonight mm-hmm. that's not gonna happen. I see him taking more shots than he did. He only took 18 shots compared to what he usually takes. Uh I see him taking 30 shots this game, and he'll probably end up with 40, 45, and still taking L. Because Golden yep. State is still going to be on a tear. They're, I, I wouldn't uh, be surprised if seven players go in double figures again. Those third quarter dubs, man. I mean, you got to you gotta weather the storm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what uh, I just remember. That's, that was the MO of the uh, Cavs every time they faced off against the Warriors in the playoffs. You, you know, the run is going to happen. You just have to, you know, do whatever you can to weather it and try to respond with as many, you know, three-pointers in their face as much as possible. Um, but it, it, I mean, I think, yes, Luca will have a bounce back game tonight. I think it's the same type of situation that, uh, Tatum faced when game one versus game two, he was just a, a step late on his, on his reads. Like he, you know, waited a little bit too long, too long into the shot clock and then decided to give up the ball and then put his teammates in a bad position, leading to turnovers. I think if Luca, you know, tries to, you know, maybe let Brunson, you know, uh, get some of the, you know, uh, primary ball handling duties uh, at certain points of the game to allow Luca to, you know, maybe get some touches later into the shot clock. So he's not, you know, feeling like he's got to, you know, 
you know, fill up the whole 24 seconds by himself. Um, I, I think Brunson definitely needs to step up, you know, in that sense. Uh, but Luca will, Luca will adjust, you know, top three player in the league. Like I said, uh, only got him behind, you know, LeBron or uh, LeBron, not anymore. Uh, KD and uh, Giannis, you know, that's my top three for sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think Luca will adjust. They'll, uh, I, I don't think, I don't think Wiggins is going to hold him down, you know, like that uh, in the second half. But once again, uh, hey, I could be wrong. Prove me wrong, Andrew Wiggins, former number one overall pick. Prove me wrong. I, I, I challenge you, sir. Uh, but it'll be interesting to uh, see how he bounces back, and uh, hopefully uh, you can get a uh, better performance out of uh, the rest of these role players because I'm looking at Dorian Finney-Smith and uh, Dwight Powell. Oh, God, Dwight Powell just light minutes on fire, bro. Three points in 14 minutes, and Dorian Finney-Smith, five points, minus 22, and 34 minutes of playing time. You just can't have that, my friend. Um, but, yeah, just got to be better, you know, showing overall to uh, to help out uh, the boy Luca. No, that, that's going to be the key um, aspect of the Dallas Mavericks is the role players. Are they going to show up or not? I feel like at home they're going to show up. I think Dallas wins their two games at home, their first two games at home. And then after that, Golden State's just like, no, we're going to turn this up. We're going to show you why we were a dynasty a few years ago before all the injuries and everything. And we're going to give it to you and take it to you and go to the <laughs> NBA Finals because I don't think the role players are going to do anything for the Dallas Mavericks, man. Hey, listen, it's happened to better teams than Dallas before. You know, Golden State has done this to much better teams throughout their throughout their, you know, Steph, Steph Curry uh, history. Um, but I credit to credit to Jason Kidd with his adjustments, you know, in the Phoenix series. I didn't think that Dallas had a shot, really. I, I thought that Phoenix would have put them away within six games. Um, I mean, that, that was what, that was what everybody was penciling in the, the Warriors versus the Suns, you know, Clay and Steph versus Paul and Booker. I mean, it was written in the stars, but it was a prophecy. It was was already in the Bible. (laughs) I mean, it was ridiculous. Uh, The the fact that, you know, they, ah, it, uh, as that is going to be something that I think will put, you know, be the final nail in the coffin of, uh, you know, the Chris Paul legacy because I don't think he gets back I, I don't even know if they you know keep that team together necessarily with the whole Aiton contract situation and whatnot but, yeah they would have extended um, him already yeah no no doubt I mean Sarver's uh, been you know notoriously cheap in his uh, years of owning the Phoenix franchise so we'll see what comes of that mm-hmm. but uh, the, you know da- Dallas has enough to get to this point but like I said Luca just needs that consistent second score um, Jalen Brunson is a great point guard but Luca's a point guard you need a off the ball guy who can run the bait from baseline to baseline and just run off of screens and just hit you know spot up threes Reggie Bullock thinks he's that but he's not a you know it's a different player on the road I mean he wasn't even that for the New York Knicks so I don't know what you know makes anybody think that Reggie Bullock is gonna become you know the you know Jordan Poole of this team um, Dorian Finney Smith is a great player, three and D guy, but again, he's just not like that. I mean, he can't, he can't be the guy that puts up, you know, 15 to 20 points night in and night out. He's going to, you know, throw up some duds and, you know, only take three threes and, you know, only score five points. Uh, it is need a little something extra. Um, and it's the same thing with Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie is another ball-dominant point guard. He needs to have the ball in his hands to, you know, make everything work. I think Spencer Dinwiddie 
is a fine addition to this team. And, you know, we'll definitely, Jalen Brunson is going to get it back this offseason somewhere else. So that leaves a spot open. I think you keep Spencer Dinwiddie on the bench in that six man role to, you know, come in for Luca, facilitate some things while he's getting his breaks and everything. But you need that prolific off the ball score in order to make this offense fully what it can be with Luca. I don't think you necessarily need the big time, you know, the prize big man. Although it would be interesting to see DeAndre Ayton on this team. Just saying. It would be very interesting to see DeAndre Ayton and Luca team up. So see what it comes to that. But I don't think Luca necessarily needs that big man to succeed at such a high level. I just think he needs that, you know, off the ball scoring threat. You know, it's funny that you say that because I've been thinking about this transaction like the past few months already. Just because of the trade that Dallas did with Washington to get them witty, I think they should do another trade with Washington and they should give is Brunson going to be a free agent or they're going to, they could yeah. do a sign and trade. Okay. So he's going to be a free agent. Could do a they sign and trade. I don't know how sign and trades work. Never understood how that happens, but you never know. So they could sign, so they could sign Brunson and then trade him away. Mm-hmm. So the, the sign and trade what... will basically be that, okay, we're going to sign this player for you, but we're going to trade him to you for this player and this player or picks or money or whatever, whatever the case may be. Right. What constitutes though, the amount, that the team that has him at the present time of the signing, like what constitutes the amount that they give him? Because why would, as a player, if I just go over there, why, like, there's got to be like some type of like mutual understanding amongst all three parties that the player is going to get what he's asking for. Dallas is going to give him what he's asking for. And, you know, Washington wouldn't give him, you know, a dime more than what Dallas is offering. Yeah, so it's got to be some type of like mutual understanding. There. Yeah, no, no, no. And that's what it is. It's just like, imagine you and I made a deal right now and I'm like, yo, uh-huh. I want some of your grapes, but you want some of my strawberries and be like, okay, let me get three of your grapes. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm going to give you five dollars. Right. And then you mm-hmm. give me uh, um, two of your strawberries, but I'm going to give you two dollars. Mm-hmm. And it's just like. I don't know if that really mm-hmm. made sense mm-hmm. to you, but like it's just like mm-hmm. we, like how you said we have a mutual understanding of what what is worth what. So it's just like yeah. the concept of money, right? The people, mm-hmm. if everybody agrees that a dollar is worth something, then it's worth it. But if people disagree that the dollar is worth nothing, then the dollar ain't worth mm-hmm. shit. So it's what you said. It's a mutual understanding. Now going back to what I was saying, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just a, a whole different, a whole, a whole different other, topic. That's a whole other podcast. Oh yeah, man. that's a whole other podcast. And that podcast will go on for like three hours because I was uh-huh. going rants uh-huh. on that one of just asking questions with no answers. You know, right, just right, that ever, you know, a snake eating its tail. Like, really we bring on a specialist and shit. We just fucking question. and we learn nothing. <laughs> but Absolutely going back nothing. to it. To what I was saying, I think the Dallas Mavericks should do another deal with the Washington mm-hmm. Wizards, and mm-hmm. it should be for Bradley Beal. Because if you bring mm-hmm. in Bradley Beal, an off-ball scorer, like you said, because I agree they need an off-ball scorer, bro, Bradley Beal is going to be averaging like 32 points a game playing with Luka Doncic coming off the screens. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best shooting guards in the league that is off-ball presence. So he could create yeah. his own shot, and he could get to the rack. He could he could get open off the off the screens. I think it would be a perfect play for the Dallas Mavericks to go and get Bradley Beal. Agreed, agreed. I, I mean, it, it does leave uh, a definite uh, liability on the defensive end, but he is everything that you know Luca would want in that you know second threat. Um, it, 
you know, it shows uh, it shows what Jason Kidd is capable of with coaching these guys up to, you know, be such a sound defensive unit. So maybe, you know, Kidd is the right guy to, uh, you know, coach up that type of team and, you know, make sure they're at least, uh, you know, formidable on the defensive end. Um, but, yeah, no, I completely agree that Brad Beal would be the perfect uh, Robin to Lucas Batman. He, I mean, that, that's what – I mean, how far did, uh, did, you know, when John Wall was – Existing, <laughs> a part of Brad Beal and John. When he Walker. wasn't stealing money was from like uh, Houston Rockets, yeah. <laughs> when he wasn't falling downstairs like Jason Derulo, like you know, he was. I mean, I think they got to the semifinals. So, I mean, John Wall is, I, you know, even though he was, yeah, menace on the defensive end, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, able to, you know, steal. I think he led the league in steals a couple times, um, but you know, Luca and Brad, Luca is everything on the offensive end that Brad Beal needed in order to get them over that hump. So definitely, I think that would be a, a fine experiment for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, I think Golden State takes this series hundred percent. I mm -hmm. think they take it in six mm -hmm. games. Uh, they'll mm -hmm. win tonight. Uh, they'll lose the next two and then they'll come back and be like, yeah, Agreed. we're not losing again. <laughs> Agreed. Five or five or six. Um, yeah. I, I just think that they're going to run the Mavericks are going to run out of gas, unfortunately. Yeah. But the hell of a uh, finals for whoever they, uh, whoever the Warriors match up with. Yeah, if it's Celtics or he, no matter what, I think that will go game seven. Each, each of them. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Each of them. Three very deep teams in their own right. Yeah. yeah. Dallas just doesn't have much. Shout out to them for getting this mm -hmm. far because not a lot of us thought that they were going to get this far. A lot of us thought that they were going to lose to the Utah Jazz. <laughs> but... Thank God they didn't. Cause that Utah team, uh, it, it been it been a you know a, pain, a thorn in the side of the NBA for far too long. They need to break that up and ship Gobert back to where he came from. I'm they need they need to guy. do what OKC did and try to get like fifty thousand picks in just like oh yeah three seasons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean you know if uh, Brad Beal you know don't make it out of uh, Washington, Donovan Mitchell would be a very interesting pairing with uh, with Luca. That's probably worse than Brad Beal on the defensive side of the ball, but something to consider. Yeah, yeah, that's not that's not yeah, a bad if, take, uh, honestly. If uh, if the Jazz, you know, do do part with uh, well, it uh, who was it that uh, sounded like they gave the ultimatum? Was it Gobert or was it uh, was it Mitchell? I think it was Gobert. That, it was Gobert. Uh, yeah, Go kind of insinuated. Yeah, the ultimatum, like me or him. So if if they do choose Gobert, who does have more accolades uh, to his name. Up to this point, maybe it's a uh, you know spiteful move that uh, that Spider would want to go to uh, Dallas and try to get back at his uh, you know former team. Maybe, maybe more petty things have I, happened in the NBA. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, they have, and I think Spider wants to get out of there. Honestly, I think he was like Definitely. when he heard that from Gobert, he was like, "Oh yeah, you giving me the green light, babe. You giving me the green light. I'm out of here." Wade, where you at? Cross off Beach. Um, Unless your boy D Wade steps in, you know, as uh, as a member of that ownership, uh, you know, committee, and says, uh, you know, don't don't trade my my young protege, trade away that toxic French guy over there, trade his ass, get him out, get him out. I hate Rudy Gobert so much. But what what would be the better fit for them though? Trading away their defensive monster that holds down the defensive end and and honestly like holds teams to below average of what they're scoring or trading your mm -hmm. top scorer on the team that is a liability on defense. I, I don't know which is better. It's 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 a no-brainer that it's Gobert to me. I mean, bias aside, 
it's just how the NBA is. I mean, you see all of these teams now going small. I mean, they're, you know, in the fourth quarter, you got Draymond playing center. You've got, you know, you know, Max Kleber doesn't get enough credit for being as nimble as he is. I mean, you got Bam Adebayo, who was a very mobile center. And you got, you know, Allie Horford or Bob Williams, who were split in time, who are both, you know, savvy, you know, defenders in their own right. But they, but all of those guys have the ability to switch. Gobert does not. I mean, he's barbecue True. chicken as soon as he gets outside the three-point line. So, you like, you are able to play him out. And I think that has to be the next step in the evolution of a guy like DeAndre Ayton, where, like, he has to be able to consistently play on the switch. But Gobert cannot do that. And I think he is, you know, close to, if not already, on the back end of his career. So I, I think it's a no-brainer because I think Donovan Mitchell still has the ability to develop as a defensive player. I think he just needs to be, you know, reinvigorated and, you know, uh, you know, you know, and find that extra, you know, extra motivation to become that type of guy. Cause I think he could be, I mean, he's, he's got the, he's got the quickness, he's got the, you know, athleticism to potentially become a very, you know, uh, you know, a very, you know, good defender. Who's uh, like a Marcus smart kind of guy. I mean, he's the same size as Marcus smart. Who's to say he can't be that. Now, way better scorer than Marcus Smart, too. <laughs> exactly. That exactly. No, I, I think it's a no-brainer. I think you keep Donovan Mitchell, roll, roll your <laughs> dice with that, and ship Gobert to either, you know, Paris Saint-Germain or the Charlotte Hornets, <laughs> either one. <laughs> hey, what a bit of a bad move. Charlotte Hornets, LaMelo Ball and Gobert? Hey, whatever whatever makes LaMelo get to Los Angeles faster, I'm all for it. And that would definitely be the final, you know, nail in that coffin. Lamella would Lavar Lavar would be on on court side chirping Gobert night in and night out. So, <laughs> I, I I would live for that type of drama. Yeah, yeah, hell <laughs> that'd yeah, be that'd be awesome. Honestly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the NBA players are coming to a close soon. In June sixth, mm-hmm. I think June sixth, June fifth is when the NBA finals will start. So, ladies and gentlemen, there eventually. Yeah, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you are tuned into that because it's going to be a great finals. No matter which teams go up there, I think it's going to be, it's going to go to game seven 100%, I feel. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, NFL offseason, you know, <laughs> soon the NFL is. Uh, now we're getting to nitty gritty. Yeah, the NFL season is going to start soon. So the NFL offseason was, was pretty, pretty spectacular for most teams okay. around the league, but. You know, it's still going on. There's still moves to be made. But real quick, I just want to hear what you have to say about your team and the Baltimore Ravens and what they did this offseason and even including into the draft. Well, to sum up this offseason for me, it has been quite the roller coaster, my friend. Um, <laughs> so I, I was I was under I was in the camp for a little bit that we need to fire Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator and pretty much like, you know, the narrative, you got to let Russ cook, got to let Lamar cook, you know, let's go five wide. Let's spread this thing out, you know, have Lamar, you know, still have the ability to run, which he always will. And let's just sling the pill out there. Then the draft happened and we got, you know, the first 14, 14 uh, overall pick. Uh, then we traded, uh, my baby boy, Hollywood, 
you know, I, I, I wish him nothing but the best. I got no ill feelings toward Hollywood Brown. I've been a Hollywood defender since he came in. Since, you know, his little ass got up on that stage, walked over to Goodell, shook his hand. And I learned that at that point that he was best friends with Lamar because they're both, you know, Florida boys. So I'm just like, hey, welcome <clears> to the family, brother. And, you know, he start like he had that, uh, you know, first game in Miami, caught them two touchdowns. I think he only had like four catches in that game. But, uh, you know, he had his moments. I mean, he was he was instrumental in that, uh, you know, 2019 run. But time after time, the man could not beat press coverage against a good corner to save his life. And I don't know this for a fact, but my like a memory of Hollywood on, you know, the design run plays that, you know, Greg Roman calls, they're always, I feel like to the other side. And that's you one thing that Hollywood doesn't and he can't enjoy. get away from a corner. I don't, that, that's the thing. Like he, he just like, I wish nothing but the best for him. I think it is a great fit for him to land in Arizona, but he just was not the right fit for this offense. Now you slide in Rashad Bateman, who is a guy who's got three inches and about 20 pounds on Hollywood as that number one receiver. You've got Mark Andrews, who I will go to bat for as the top tight end in the NFL, both eh. from a eh. listen, from a blocking from a blocking perspective and an offensive prowess perspective. He is Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. I think you're saying that, like think, overall, though. You're saying an overall, overall blocking and receiving. Over, okay. Yes, the overall picture. I, he's and, up there. And Andrews is younger. Andrews is much younger than Travis Kelsey, and he's younger than Kittle. So he's got, you know, he still hasn't hit that full ceiling yet. And I think that going into this year, it is the same type of roster construction as 2019, but so much better. Like okay. the holes that <clears throat> he supposedly had on both sides of the ball in 2019 that were exposed by Derrick Henry in the divisional round, but in, in the Ravens defense in that, you know, abysmal showing against the Tennessee Titans. I don't know who was stopping Derrick Henry on that night. I mean, a man, no, I don't Rupshot, think no one in the Rand league Rupshot is stopping over. Derrick Henry. I think that only the 2000 Ravens could have beat, could have, could have stopped Derrick Henry yeah. on that night. And then it would have been a, you know, meeting of, uh, you know, two Titans if, you know, Derrick Henry and Ray Lewis was, you know, meeting in the hole. That would have been something to see for sure. But yeah, you would have seen like a, gl a glare. Once they hit, you see a glare, just the field and the right. lights go out. That, uh -huh, uh -huh, absolutely. It's like an EM, EMP. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. just and everybody's like, just like, <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, are we, are we dead now? Are we dead? Are we in heaven? Heaven? I think God. Right? Right? But the, the, the holes that they had with, with the receiving core, I think are much better than what it was in 2019. I mean, you had Willie Sneed as the slot man. Now you got Devin Duvernay, who is a pro bowl talent. He made the pro bowl as a kick returner. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's got, he's got the wiggle. He's got the ability. I think he definitely needs to, you know, step up and I think he will. Um, I, we got some young guys in, in waiting in the wings, like a James Prochet and a Tyler Wallace who are later round picks. Uh, they've, Definitely had flashes in uh, our preseason games the past couple of years. Um, so they will definitely need to step up. There's going to be, a, you know, a need to step up on the, uh, on you know, from this receiving core for sure. And Rashad Bateman is going to have to take that next step. And I think he will. So I think he showed great flashes with Tyler Huntley quarterback. Um, the running back core is better than it was in 2019. 
Uh, you still got Gus Edwards, who hopefully will be the same Gus Edwards coming off of that injury. I think J.K. Dobbins is going to be fine. He's young enough to, you know, bounce back from an injury like that. And I think he'll be better than what Mark Ingram was. You got Mark Andrews, who is now better than what he was. Um, you got these two guys. I, I've been watching much tape on uh, Charlie uh, Kohler or uh, Isaiah Likely. I mean, I've seen some Isaiah Likely clips, and he looks like a guy from Coastal Carolina that could line up out wide. I mean, he looks like, you know, one of those, you know, hybrid, you know, wide receivers who can, you know, come in and, do a little bit of run blocking there. Um, then, you know, Ty Lindenbaum, great, great, you know, pick up uh, on the inside. And the Ravens ended up finishing the draft with three guys that were mocked to them at some point in time with the 14th overall pick in this draft with a Jabo getting him on the back end in, uh, in the second round. I mean, if he can come back, you know, say week five or six, I think that is a nightmarish tandem with him and Adapa Owe on the other side, wreaking havoc with, uh, you know, big Calais and uh, Mike Pierce in the middle. Um, and, you know, hopefully Patrick Queens takes that next step. And then our secondary, the talent speaks for itself. So I'm very optimistic. It's been a roller coaster. Uh, I, I, I was in the camp that, you know, we should fire Greg Roman completely, you know, clean house and with the coaching staff and, uh, you know, let pretty much Lamar, you know, choose, you know, the guys that he wants to uh, play with. But but up and down, uh, you know, it's uh, we were going to use what was led us to a 13 and three season in 2019 and the number one you know seed overall in the NFL. Just use all that to, uh, you know, shape uh, whatever this season is going to be. So I'm optimistic, my friend. No, I like I like where you guys are headed this season. I just think that now mm-hmm. you got to face um, AFC champion uh, Cincinnati Bengals, which um they made some upgrades to their o-line and um yeah 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 then you got the cleveland browns who just got a terrific quarterback (laughs) terrific quarterback this guy's gonna change he's gonna change the organization the team the culture in that locker room i feel 100 percent baker mayfield he's 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 a culture setter all right (laughs) he's a culture setter all right Uh uh-huh uh-huh the wrong one well, let's uh, just stick, sticking on the field, sticking on the field. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. But I do see you guys winning a lot of games. I, like, mm-hmm. I, I like the chances of you guys making the playoffs this year. Last year, you guys would have been the playoffs, but you guys had like 29,000 injuries before the first yeah. game started. And then throughout the season, you had like three impactful injuries that just messed up your season. And you still... Yeah almost got there so it was you know you guys got a lot of promise a lot of potential what i don't like right now though from you guys is the fact Mm -hmm. that you guys have not extended lamar jackson do you think that's gonna happen soon or you think they're gonna wait to see how the season plays out from all of the punditry talk that i have heard regarding quarterback contracts um, for some reason, I, I mean, it, it, you know, it's the NFL, so they have a way of doing things and usually they stick to that. And, you know, rarely do they, you know, get off of that beaten path. Um, usually those types of contracts happen in and around training camp. So mm-hmm. I guess, you know, you get him in the building, you lay out the plan for the season you know, you, you, you deliberate on, you know, what the quarterback likes, what the quarterback doesn't like, what the, you know, offensive court, you know, this, that, and the third. Um, and then 
you you talk money, you talk numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Lamar will get a contract extension. <clears throat> bias aside, excuse me. Um, I think that he really enjoys playing for this team. I think it was a tough pill to swallow uh, for him to allow the you know trade of Hollywood. Um, yeah, I mean that was his boy on and off the field. I mean they were you know every single uh, you know post game. Uh, you got, you know, Instagram videos galore of him and ha- Lamar and Hollywood just, you know, bopping a Kodak in, in their car, you know, in the parking lot, just vibing. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was their deal. I mean, they're, you know, they're tight. Um, yeah, for sure. I, that I was a that surprise was a, to him. And I think he even wrote a tweet about it once it happened. He was like, he what? Did. Yeah. He did have. But I think I think that was kind of just a like, this is going to be my public reaction because like I did like. I believe Lamar when he says like he didn't want it to happen, but I totally believe that he knew about it before, uh, you know, it happened because okay. Hollywood was in, was in Arizona the night of the draft. He was at their draft party, like literally the second after it was announced. So he was gone. Um, and you would definitely like, <laughs> I feel like you would realize if you're, you know, best friend up and moved across the country, like before, you know, before it happened. Unless, there, you know, there's bad blood there that we don't know about that isn't, you know, being aired out publicly. Um, so I think it was, you know, run past and cleared, uh, you know, by LJ before uh, DaCosta pulled the trigger on a trade in Hollywood to Arizona, which was a fantastic trade on the Ravens end. I mean, not only do you get the best interior lineman in the, in the league, but you don't have to pay Hollywood what he's going to require, which mm-hmm. in this offense, you know, much to the chagrin of, you know, NFL fans across, you know, the country, wide receivers are not a necessity in this offense. Like, every, you know, all NFL fans want the, you know, the high-powered, you know, Kansas City offense for their own, but that's just not what the Ravens are doing right now, and that's just not how the team is currently constructed. Um, I think if things don't work out this year, that – uh, it's going to be a you know tough conversation to have uh, amongst the coaching staff and Lamar Jackson. Um, I do believe that the contract extension does happen before this season begins because I do not believe that the you know ownership of the Ravens and the coaching staff of the Ravens are going to let Lamar take the field and you know at, with his style put himself at you know the risk of injury without compensating him i mean he's already won a unanimous most valuable player of the nfl and he is the most next to tom brady he is the winningest quarterback of all time through these first you know few seasons of his career so he had he has the accolades already to prove that he is qb1 and he already has the accolades to prove that he is a top five quarterback in the NFL with the, he like, I don't want to hear nothing about this, you know, inability to pass in his MVP season. The man led the league in touchdown passes. And last year before he got hurt in week seven, he was top five in passing yards. So the guy can sling the pill. He won a Heisman trophy for Christ's sake. Like he, you don't win a Heisman trophy and put up these types of numbers and win a unanimous MVP without be, without being able to throw the damn football in the NFL. Like it, it just don't make any sense to me. It's an out it's an outdated argument, and it 
will be, I think, forever silenced after <laughs> this season when we have an upgraded unit from the 2019 season that will allow us to, you know, uh, you know, d- display, you know, that type of, you know, game plan once again. So I think it will get, I think the contract will get done. I think that all of that stuff will be put to bed by the end of training camp. That is my firm prediction. So just playing devil's advocate for right now, because mm-hmm. I feel like the argument is more towards can LeBar Jackson get the Baltimore Ravens over the hump get far into the playoffs, get to the Super Bowl, then more mm-hmm. of, oh, can he pass the ball, whatever. Because I think that argument has been silenced because of what that same year that they say, oh, he's just a running quarterback, whatever. That next year he came out, he said, okay, hold my beer. I got you. And he came out and he mm-hmm. showed out. So I think more of the with, argument With the weapons is, that he had. Like, yeah, like yeah. With what weapons, too. And, you know? and it's like, it's like, like how they say, can he get you over the hump and this and that? I think, yes, he can. He just has been in an unfortunate situation. One with the receiving core, right? Like you said, they're not a, a pass team like that. They're more of a run team. But he didn't really have any receivers like that. He got a, a top three tight end in the league. But tight ends, what? They go they go 15 and out, 10 and out, 10 and in, 5 and in. They do short routes. They don't really do long routes. So how are you going to really like play the field like that? Well, Hollywood Brown, it was a great pickup for them. It was a great draft pick for them. But I think Hollywood Brown is a number two receiver. He's a Robin to a Batman in another team. And that's why he's a good fit for Arizona. Because you got DeAndre Hopkins and you got AJ Green over there. They're gonna they're gonna take off the pressure off of you. So he's gonna be wide open most of the time. He's playing with his old with his college uh, quarterback, Kyle Murray, down in Oklahoma. So I think it's going to be a great fit for him. It was a good decision for them to get rid of him, to try to bring in some some new some new talent, try to upgrade Bateman mm-hmm. to that number one receiver spot. I honestly thought that you guys mm-hmm. were going to sign Javaris Landry at one point, maybe even Odell yeah. Beckham. Odell Beckham is still available mm-hmm. out there, even though he had a so, messed up knee. But I do think that LeBron can get you guys over the hump, take you to the Super Bowl, and even win it. I agree. Agreed. And in the games where he fell short uh, in the past few seasons, um, especially, you know, highlighting the game against the Bills in 2020 and highlighting the game against the Titans in 2019, a lot of guys failed him in big spots. Lamar got injured at the end and uh, at the end of the Bills game, Huntley almost hit Hollywood on a deep ball, but he overthrew him. Um, And in 2019, I mean, there are, at least five drops by wide receivers that I could turn your attention to that would have definitely swung the game and the momentum to the Ravens. But like most of those, I think we're on third downs and things like that, to be honest with you, ever just absolute drive killers. Um, and then, like, like I said, I don't think anybody except the, you know, 85 bears of the 2000 Ravens was stopping Derrick Henry on that night. Yeah, nobody. Um, yeah, exactly. And uh, against, against the bills, it was, you know, a weather game, and the Bills just made a couple more plays. Lamar had that, you know, crucial pick six at the end, and uh, wh- whoever that guy, Johnson, uh, Teron Johnson, I think, uh, took it to the house, and that was, you know, pretty much the final nail in the coffin, even though, like I said, Huntley had the opportunity to hit Hollywood, you know, deep, and he just missed it. Um, but that wasn't Lamar. Uh, I, you know, if Lamar's in there, he might hit him. I don't know. I mean, he's hit Hollywood on that pass, you know, time and time again. Um, but 
you know, the, the trade for, you know, trading away Hollywood gets us out of, you know, having to pay him so we can, you know, focus, you know, allocate that money elsewhere, can put it towards Lamar, we can put it towards, you know, offensive line, things that actually help the structure of this team succeed. Um, I, I think, I think that, you know, I, I want the entire time when I was, you know, preaching, uh, you know, spread the offense out, fire Greg Roman, get somebody in there who wants to, you know, let Lamar set up and shot and, you know, run four or five receivers out. Um, I wanted a guy to pretty much be like Kansas city has, has Kelsey. They got Miko Hardman, who was the speed demon and Tyree kill, who was also the speed demon, but Tyree kill had the ability to cut in and, you know, run those routes in the middle of the field. Hollywood didn't have that. He didn't have, well, I think it was more of, I, th I think with Tyreek, it's more of a thing where like defenders fully know what he's capable of with his speed. So they kind of play off of him when he's in the middle of the field, because like they just think that he can just cut on a dime and then just go, you know, mm. Hollywood Which never proved that he had. Yes, exactly. Hollywood never proved that he really had that second gear to do that, nor did he have the strength to get off of that press coverage and then go. Tyreek Hill has the strength to get off of that press coverage and go. The dude oh, yeah. has like some of the biggest quads in the NFL. I mean, you see that video of him yeah, doing, yeah. The, doing a hamstring stretch. Yeah. Like that takes some unreal strength. And I, I think that he, you know, Tyreek Hill is that, you know, next level, you know, Hollywood Brown type receiver that the Ravens wanted out of Marquise, but never got. So you needed somebody else to, you know, offset that load and, you know, just have Hollywood just dart up the middle but have a guy that is able to run those short intermediate routes that is not the tight end, you know, because sometimes you're going to need the tight end to stay in a block. Sometimes you're going to need the tight end to, you know, run a little drag, you know, and be the, you know, security blanket for the quarterback. Um, but there was just never that, you know, second threat. And once Bateman got involved in the offense last year after he returned from injury, it was only a few games that he played with Lamar. I think it was like three or four. And I think Hollywood was out for like two of those. And then Lamar got injured and it was Tyler Huntley the rest of the way. Yeah. So they just never, you know, developed that chemistry of the, you know, that, you know, four man, uh, you know, receiving or threat that, uh, you know, I would have wanted. That being said, um, you know, we'll run it back like 2019. And I, I think that they're, you know, they're in a great spot um, with the addition of Kyle Hamilton on defense. I think that he could be everything that Patrick Queen is not. I mean, you know, we got we got plenty of safeties. Uh, that's for sure. Marcus Williams signing. He's that ball hawk in the center, um, you know, to, to hold it down, you know, on the back end. And then like Kyle Hamilton is a sideline to sideline, you know, not only like ball hawk. I mean, he you know, he he'll hit you. Sean and Taylor right there. That's what Chuck yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what that's what our guy Chuck Clark does right now at strong safety. But Kyle Hamilton has just so much more potential and he's also six foot four and you know he's got three inches on chuck clark and he's got you know 20 pounds on chuck clark and, and he's is he younger athletic as him oh yeah much, yeah, much he's young. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah he's younger than him yeah. chuck clark i think has been on the spot for about five years now out of virginia tech so i think he'll you know kind of uh you know uh, morph into more of like a rover uh role and or maybe you know you start kyle hamilton in that role um, and, you know, have Chuck Clark, you know, be on the back end at strong safety uh, or, you know, vice versa. I think they're going to be interchangeable. Yeah. Um, and I think, 
that, uh, you know, where like Patrick Queen, like he's got the talent. He just doesn't have the instincts yet. And I think Kyle Hamilton has the talent and the instincts. So I think he'll be like everything that, you know, PQ has not been for us up to this point in the middle of that defense. Yeah, no, it's going to be a good season for you guys. Hopefully, you guys can try out. Hopefully. Over... We're under the radar, man. But that's why we like it. That's the way yeah. we like it. It's just don't, the only thing I got to say is that the AFC is deep, like super, super deep. I think about like 13 teams can make the playoff and only seven make no it. So it's going to be tough um, no in your division. I mean, listen, if. If Trubisky, if Trubisky is serviceable, I mean the Steelers are going to be that slouch. I mean Najee Harris, Najee Harris is that dude. I mean I'm saying I like I got I got them penciled in for four. I think you know, Pickett uh, Pickett's going to start like week three, week four. Oh, I, I can't wait to see his little hands in person. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to see you know Mark, uh, you know Odafe Owe coming off the back end and just <clears throat> just uh, taking that, that ball from that. him and then yeah. just ripping his hands off and then just. <laughs> Just eating it like a drumstick, you know what I mean? Nah, he has awesome. potential though. I think I he's better wait. than Trubisky for sure. All right, I'm I'm just circling those Bengals games. Yeah, fucking that's, that's gonna be tough. Right, for you guys. I, like, and the Browns, you saw, you the Browns defense, nothing that, to play with. That Burrow made. What he you saw them comments that Burrow made. He uh, was talking about uh, playing the Ravens. Said he likes playing the Ravens because they talk shit so much. And uh, <laughs> then he recap. He recapped what he did, uh, you know, against us both uh, both times this year. Uh, went over two his uh, his first year uh, against Baltimore, his rookie. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, no, he didn't play his second the second game. Played the first game, but got absolute dog walk uh, in Baltimore. Yeah, because he got injured game. before the second game. Then he got yeah, then he got injured. I think a couple weeks later at, uh, at Raul John, um, and then uh, and then the next year, yeah, he was. I mean, that was the Jamar Chase versus Marlon Humphrey game where he got absolutely torched. Marlon Humphrey, I've kind of like taken a step back on uh, the Marlon Humphrey train with him being, you know, a top three cornerback in the league because last year was not it for him. I think he does greatly benefit with Marcus Peters being on the other end because like a quarterback got to make that decision. Like if I don't try Marlon Humphrey, then I'm throwing it up to one of the best ball hawking corners in the NFL. Yeah, so like that's having Mar having having juice man on the other side greatly impacts Marlon Humphrey because I think, you know, he's, he's the press guy that wants to lock you up. But if you have a guy like a Jamar chase that can get by him, I don't think Marlon Humphrey has that elite speed. You know, he, he's a fast guy, but he can't keep up with the fastest receiver in the NFL. So I think, you know, he's, he greatly benefits from having Marcus Peters on that other end, like I said. Um, so we'll see how, you know, that uh, that shapes up. I think the uh, Jalen Armour Davis pick in the uh, fourth round is going to be one to watch. I think he seamlessly slides in there at that slot position, uh, you know, next to uh, next to Marlowe and uh, Juice Man. So we'll see how that uh, how that turns out. But with uh, with the full uh, assortment of weapons that uh, that Burrow has and with a, uh, you know, fully healthy secondary, with, uh, you know, with Baltimore, I think that is going to be must-see television for sure. Because, uh, yeah, Burrow um, said, like, yeah, I threw for, you know, 500 yards in there, you know, in the second game that we played him. Uh, so that was fun, <laughs> which was against Just Tyler Huntley. So whatever, so whatever, dude, like, fucking beat Tyler Huntley. Like, good for you. You want a fucking cookie? And then the <laughs> first game was against, uh, you know, was against – it was the Jamar Chase game where he went for 200. So mm. asterisks. In my opinion, 
can go up against both of those victories for young Joseph Burrow. I'm ready for this man to be humbled next season. He ain't going to be humbled. That guy is extremely confident. And I love yeah. it, honestly. Never that. I love that. Never that. And yeah. I love it. Yeah, exactly. I wish, you know, if I, if I was a fan of a team with Joe Burrow as my quarterback, I would not, I wouldn't want him any other way, you yeah. know? So Facts. Facts. much respect to Joe's, but your ass going to be humbled, my friend, soon and very soon. All right, man. Hey, before we get out of here, if you got any plugins, social media, any projects you're working on, let the fans know. Let them know where they can follow you, where they can watch your stuff, man. Yeah, man. No, I'm uh, gonna get the uh, the Dilly Sports uh, media train started up here soon with uh, more uh, you know studio opportunities in the uh, coming classes. So uh, you know we're gonna be uh, putting our stuff out there. Um, you know, just uh, you know, keep an eye on uh, my main socials at a Dillingham eighty seven on twitter and at a dill 87 on instagram and uh you know some announcements will be uh, dropping on that soon and we're going to be unveiling the uh you know the fully uh you know fully expanded uh you know youtube page with uh you know more content to come so much to uh you know much to be seen and much uh, will be uh created here in the uh coming months for sure as we finish up this here program Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'll have the graphic up mm-hmm. so the people can actually visualize it and, you know, get it down packed, get, get to follow you. Appreciate and stuff. That. Guys, you know where you can follow me? Twitter at George Mike Perez, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at GMikeMedia underscore. And the podcast itself, the audio version of it is under the G perspective on all podcast platforms. Austin, I appreciate you for coming on, my dog. For sure, I got to get you on another podcast because this was awesome. This was great. Thank you for all your insight and giving us your personality, man. I appreciate you, bro. Yes, sir. Hey, no, I mean, I appreciate the opportunity. It was my, uh, you know, podcast and uh, debut overall in, uh, you know, in this game. So it's hey, uh, been an great. honor to you uh, you know, be allowed on this platform. Appreciate it, bro. Yeah, no, let's uh, let's do this again. I had a lot of fun, Mr. Uh, George Perez. The G Perspective. Yes, Lord. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.